Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. That is where we're going to be this morning. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, If you guys were here last week, uh, you got to be here for our 15th anniversary. Uh, And Don went crazy and gave us 15 lessons that he'd learned over the last 15 years from Acts chapters 8 and 9. And he did a great job, but he uh, overlooked one of my favorite stories, uh, which is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, but as you guys turn there, go ahead, let, let me go ahead and give you just some background information. Um, if you remember, Philip was just on fire for Jesus and telling people about Jesus. And so as Stephen is stoned and the church is kind of thrown to the wind, uh, they're scattered, Philip ends up in Samaria. And in Samaria, he goes ahead and just preaches the gospel like crazy there. Now, for those of you who don't know, Samaritans were a half Jewish people. They, uh, they weren't considered part of the Jewish community because uh, they were only half there, and they were, they, they, they were a weird group of people, right? And Philip, preaching the gospel to them, actually has a lot of them convert. They actually start believing in Jesus, and the disciples can't exactly believe it. So they send a couple of guys, they send Peter and John down to confirm whether or not these, these half-breeds have actually accepted Christ and if God has blessed them with the Holy Spirit. Well, when they get down there, they actually get to witness firsthand God giving them the Holy Spirit. Well, this blows their mind. This opens up whole new possibilities for the disciples. And so Peter and John are like, we gotta get back to Jerusalem and report all of this to the other disciples. Well, Philip goes a little bit different direction. It says, as for Philip, if my clicker will work, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Philip is on fire. He wants to teach the gospel to as many people as possible. And the Spirit of the Lord comes to him and says, hey, that abandoned road that probably no one's on, I want you to take that road. You see, there were two main roads that led out of Jerusalem south. This was neither of them. This was the road nobody took because it ran through like a desert. It kind of makes sense that nobody wanted to walk on the desert side of the road. So Philip, you know, he throws his hands up and he's like, oh, I'm not sure. No, I'm joking. Of course, Philip immediately goes. He doesn't question it. He just decides to up and go. Now, it continues. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship. It'll work for me half the time. And he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, 
go over and walk beside the carriage. So again, we see God prodding Philip to do something. And Philip immediately does it, which is just amazing because if this guy is who Luke reports him to be, he is definitely not traveling alone. He has got the guy driving the carriage. He's probably got friends with him. He also, for sure, as the treasurer of Ethiopia, has some guards with him. And the Holy Spirit's like, hey, just go up there. Just, just go do it. And Philip does it. So I'm forced to ask the question, did Philip hear like an actual audible voice of God come to him? When it says an angel of the Lord came down and told, was that like a shoulder angel? Was that like he had it in a dream? What, how did God communicate this to him? And luckily for us, the Bible tells us everything we need to know, which is only the information we've been given and that I've read. So I'm forced to come to the conclusion that regardless of how God communicated, whether it was out loud, whether it was a shouting, whether it was a giant electrical sign, it was good enough for Philip. And he followed and obeyed, regardless of what he thought originally. Now, honestly, and obviously, we know it wasn't a giant electrical sign. This was God communicating to Philip. And however he did it, it was good enough for Philip to immediately go and do it. Now, as we keep reading, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and, a, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Now, the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading was Isaiah 58, seven through eight. Now, we added the numbers uh, long after this time, right, so that we could find things a little bit quicker, but regardless, the verses previous, like verse six that the eunuch would have read in order to read this said, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned down our own way, but the Lord caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Those three verses are setting up what has to be the most golden of golden opportunities to share Christ with somebody. And this is Philip who had been sharing Christ excitedly. So he had no trouble jumping in two feet to tell this eunuch all about God's love, about who we are and the sin and the unforgivable debt that we have. He had no problem talking about Jesus and his death, and most importantly, his resurrection, which proved that he was the man that Isaiah was telling to come. Philip did an amazing job. But do you mind if I ask a question really quick? Um, how well do you know your scriptures? Could you take somebody 
who asks about a verse, whatever verse it is, and lead them to Christ right there? Because here's the thing, if somebody is genuinely asking about scripture, then they're genuinely open to figuring out what that scripture means. And that's enough for God. Do we know our Bibles well enough to do that? And I'm not asking that question like to guilt you or make you feel bad. I'm asking it because this book, the Bible, is a must read for us. This is a book that despite how many authors, despite the length of time it was written, does not contradict itself not once. Its principles are just as true today as it was yesterday, as it was a thousand years ago, as it will be a thousand years from now. This is a book that illustrates to us who our God is and how much he loves us. I, I have to wonder, just a little bit, that if we could understand scripture, what is it we could accomplish as a church? It would be incredible. But that's just a little bit of a side note. Now, the eunuch and Philip continue on, and as they're going, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Now, I'm gonna point out uh, several things here, but the first two that I wanna do are the two exclamation points. Look, there's some water. Why would that be odd? Because they're in the desert. Remember, it's a desert road, and God has provided water big enough for this man to be baptized in. Can I just say that our God's provision is incredible? God can do anything. Nothing is too difficult, including putting water in the middle of a desert. It is amazing. Now, the next thing I wanna point out is that this man, like I already said, was not traveling alone, which means the other people in his caravan would have seen what had happened and would have had the same questions, and this man would have been able to witness to them as well. And I'll come back to that in just a second, but I think the coolest idea that I can share with you guys this morning on this particular verse is the fact that this eunuch, this man, this black Ethiopian was not Jewish. He wasn't a half-breed. He was completely a Gentile. What we have right here is the very first written occurrence of an actual Gentile converting and receiving the Holy Spirit in the entire book of Acts. This is proof that God's plan was to always include those outside the Jewish faith in his kingdom. That's you and I. This story is, is proof that God wanted to include us in what he was doing here. And I think that is amazing. I think that is something we can be excited about. This is a story that we can all relate to because any one of us could have been that Ethiopian man, and it would have worked just the same. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. 
I love to imagine that Philip and the eunuch, they kind of come up out of the water and all of a sudden Scotty just beams him up, right? Like Star Trek style just disappears. I don't know how it actually looked, but I would have loved to be one of the guys that was standing around watching this happen because it would have been a sight that I wouldn't know how to explain to anybody else. But as I said, this man was not traveling alone, right? This man had people with him and they go along their way rejoicing. So these people hear about Christ immediately. When they get back to their country, other people hear about Christ and more people hear about Christ. It, this is just a little bit of a tidbit for you. But Ethiopia has always been a largely Christian country. By a large majority, actually. And they trace their Christian roots back to this queen. Which means when this man returned home, he wasn't quiet about what he had, ha what he had, had happened. He wasn't quiet about his new faith. He got excited and told everybody in essence, there are generations upon generations upon generations of, I almost said of eunuchs, of Ethiopians who are Christian because of the actions that happened in this very story. It is incredible what happens here, what God does through Philip. But as for Philip, Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Astros. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip, on the other hand, uh, gets beamed up and then reappears at Astros. And I love to just imagine that he appears not in water and he's just soaking wet and he's in the middle of the town. He's like, what happened to the guy that I was just holding in, huh. Well, hey, you, do you want to know about Christ? Like, doesn't miss a step. Reappears, despite what possible disorientation may have been there, just immediately goes and starts telling other people about Jesus. And he does so, and he keeps doing so, all the way until he reaches a town big enough for him to go, I think I'll settle down here. There's enough people to keep me busy about telling Jesus with for a long time. I'm just gonna keep, keep telling everybody about Jesus. Like Philip's faith and obedience to Christ and his excitement about the gospel is just something to be admired. It is awe-inspiring, to say the least. But there's a lot of things that we can learn from this story. Can I just say that this has been a little bit of a rough year for this church building, for, well, most buildings that hold churches, right? We haven't been able to hold a lot of services or do a lot of ministries here inside the building. But it has been a great year for the church. The staff is really proud to be a part of this body because you guys have not allowed the lack of this building to stop the ministry God has given you. Every outdoor service we've had has included baptisms of people who've come to believe in Jesus. And that didn't happen because you guys were like, well, we don't have a building. I guess we're done with church for now. You guys accepted the kingdom work that Jesus had for you. You've continued to tell others about Jesus. And that is awesome. 
And as we continue through our life, God is only gonna have more and more kingdom work for us to do. So I thought it would be relevant to give you guys some truths that we can learn from Philip. Some things that we need to understand if we're gonna continue to do ministry and if we wanna continue to partner with God in kingdom work, there are some truths I think we all need to know. And the first one is just this. In order for us to hear God's leading, we must nurture a relationship with him. If you wanna know what God sounds like, you kinda need to talk to him. If you wanna have faith in God, you need to see the things that he's been doing. Are you investing in your relationship with God? Philip was. From the moment he heard about who Jesus was, he has continued to tell other people about him. He's continued, obviously he knows his scriptures. He's continued to see how God has connected the Old Testament to Jesus. Philip continued to nurture that relationship. Are you investing in your relationship with Jesus? The second thing is, no matter where we are, God is always at work around us. Now, for Philip, this meant that he had to go down a desert road, even when it didn't seem like the most convenient thing. God is at work around every last one of us. Are you watching for him? Are you aware that God is working in the lives of people around you? Are you ready to jump in? In fact, that's kind of our next thing. God invites us to become involved in his work. Now, for Philip, he knew it was God's work. He told the Ethiopian eunuch just about God. He took no credit whatsoever, and that's something we all have to understand here. When we get somebody to accept Christ, it is not because of what we said. It is not our responsibility to make people believe in Christ. No, it's our responsibility to be faithful to God's calling It is our responsibility to do what God asks us to do because he's been at work in that person's life far longer than our conversation lasts. Far longer than our relationship with them may have been. You see, generation upon generation of Ethiopians may have been saved due to the conversation Philip had with this eunuch, but the truth is that was not Philip's doing, right? It is God's work in people's lives, it is his work in people's lives. So my question is, are you listening for God to invite you to his work? Or is there a bit of selfishness that's stuck in our ears? Is there a bit of what we would rather be doing stuck in our ears instead of what God would have us do? Are we looking Are we listening for God to invite us into this world? Invite us into his kingdom work that's happening in this world. And I don't know that I have to say this, but I wanna say it. His voice is not always an audible shout, right? Most of the time, it's that still, small voice. It's that notion that, man, I really need to go talk to them. I really need to go have that conversation. Man, I feel really strongly that that there's something I need to say or pray about. More often than not, that's God asking us and inviting us 
into his kingdom work than not. Now this one is a, is a little bit longer one. It takes a little bit to process, right? God's invitation for us to work with him often leads to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. I didn't know how to narrow that down very much, but let me explain it. For Philip, he had a choice. God said, go over to that carriage. What Philip probably saw was a covered carriage with who knows inside, surrounded by probably guards, if not other people. And we all know that guards are generally armed. These were not small men who were just carrying things. These are imposing men. For Philip, he had to cross that barrier of, I'm gonna overcome my my nervousness about the situation or the awkwardness that could happen, and instead I'm going to do what God is asking me to do. For us today, that might look a little bit like, I know I'm not supposed to bring up what I believe in at work because it might offend somebody. But I think this person needs to know about Jesus right now. This might look like, Ah, man, I know that person's told me not to bring up church around them, but right now they need Jesus. And so I'm going to risk looking like a Christian in order to invite them to church. Sometimes we have to risk crossing those lines in order to do the kingdom work God is calling us to because that kingdom work is far more important than anything else here on this earth. The question is, will you trust God and will you obey him in those moments where it might be awkward, where it's probably going to be hard to have that conversation? Are you willing to obey him? We also need to be willing to make adjustments in our expectations and plans in order to join God in what he's doing. Again, another long one, but this one is a little bit easier to explain. For Philip, again, he might have wanted to go down one of the more populated roads or even stay in Jerusalem and tell people, a vast amount of people about Jesus. But Jesus himself had other plans, right? And he followed him. Philip changed his expectations of what he was doing from telling crowds upon crowds of Je- about Jesus to telling one man about Jesus. We too have to be aware of our expectations and our plans because honestly, when we make plans, we don't often like them to change, do we? I didn't hear enough no's there. Anybody really excited that when you plan out a trip to go, man, I'm glad I planned this all out, now half of it gets thrown away. No, we, we as humans love to make plans and when they get thrown awry, we tend to struggle with that. But sometimes we have to understand that our expectations and our plans are not the same expectations and plans that God has. Like maybe we really wanna get home after that long day of work. But that coworker of ours is, is crying and they need somebody to talk to. Maybe it will be awkward talking to that other mom in the park because we don't know her all that well, but she needs to know who Jesus is. Or maybe our coworkers, even though they're 
they're doing their own thing. Maybe they really need to hear about Jesus and, and on vacations, right? There are all these opportunities that we have to where we make these specific plans. And if they don't go perfectly in order, we tend to get frustrated. But the truth is we need to be open to the possibility that God's plan is not our plan. We need to be willing to die to our own expectations, to give up our own expectations in order that we might surrender to God's will. Our last point here, when we obey God and participate in his kingdom work, we learn to trust him more. God will never ask you to jump off the 100-story building unless you've taken that first step, right? If God is gonna do something amazing, we need to start to trust him somewhere. And it's difficult sometimes because God will ask us to do small things. And we have to trust that his small things are going to lead us to a better future, a more fulfilling life. We have to learn to trust him in those small things so that when God asks us to do something amazing, we're ready. That trust is already ingrained in us. That, that ability to obey God no matter what is already running through our veins. By seeing and being a part of what God is doing and the amazing things he does, our faith and trust will grow and our expectations to see him do incredible things will grow as well. Let's pray. God, you are good. You are so good. And on the days where we are not good, we know that we want to love you we want to be more like you. So Jesus, I pray right now that, that you help us follow your example, that you help us become more like you, that you help us follow the example of Philip who doesn't even question. He thinks he hears you and he runs in that direction. God, help us to do your kingdom work to help bring glory and honor to your name. Amen.